you keep that on your lips today, the greatness of God. Keep that on your heart and on your mind today, the greatness of our God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to give you a little bit of history today. My, uh, if you don't know this about me, my inner nerd is just going to spill out today. Okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm a big nerd. I, I know what I am. Okay. Own who you are. Amen. Own who you are. I'm a big nerd. I know it. And those of you who know anything about the Jewish calendar and Rosh Hashanah that just happened this past Monday night into Tuesday evening, celebrating uh, Rosh Hashanah and what comes this coming Tuesday, this coming Tuesday evening into Wednesday evening, the Day of Atonement. Maybe you've heard it as Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. It's the holiest of all Jewish holidays, Yom Kippur. It is literally what they consider to be a, a national day of fasting, a national day of repentance, a national day of forgiveness. I'll talk about the Day of Atonement a little bit more next week, but I, I, I want to give you some, some realities of what, of what that means, the, the idea of, of atonement, the Day of Atonement. You've probably heard this term in Scripture before, but here's what it means. The atonement just simply means to appease or to forgive or, or to pardon or to purge or to cancel out or in the, the, the famous words of the Disney psalmist, let it go. Yeah. That, 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 that's the idea behind atonement, letting go. And, and the Jewish people, those who practice Judaism, sometimes they only practice it one day a year, on this day of atonement, but they practice it and they realize there are people I need to forgive. There are things I need to ask forgiveness of. So, so to the kids in the room today, if you received a, a note card at the end of the service, you can do it right now. I'm going to encourage you. Write down on that note card things that you need to forgive. Write down on that note card people you need to forgive. Write down on that note card things you need God to forgive you. I want you to write that down because we're going to, we're going to do something together at the end of the service, kids, okay? And if you did not receive communion, if you did not receive communion when you came in and you want to partake in communion with us at the end of service, I want to make sure that you receive that today so that together we can partake in, in the holy communion of our Lord's sacrifice. And it all kind of really culminates on this, this day of atonement, this, this day of forgiveness. Yom Kippur is probably how you see it on the calendar. Yom meaning the, the day and Kippur meaning to cover. So I'm going to need somebody to help me during this message today because it's going to feel like a, like a long history lesson. But if you will help me preach my subject to matter today, we're going to talk about the greatest cover-up in history, okay? The greatest cover-up. The idea of, of Yom Kippur, the day of covering. If you read with me in Leviticus chapter 16, and most preachers probably don't necessarily go to Leviticus very often, but here we go, okay? Let's try to make sense of this. What happens on Tuesday, historically, uh, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the Lord says to Moses, and this is right after Aaron's sons have, have actually done something they shouldn't do and brought uh, bogus incense before the Lord, and obviously fire can have, have consumed them, and, and they're dead, and so instead of having a chance to mourn over his the foolishness of his sons, the disobedience of his sons, God gives this commandment uh, ultimately, and here's what's supposed to happen. So he, he, he says to Moses, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain where, whenever he chooses. Okay, so Aaron, you don't just get to enter my presence just because you're the high priest anytime you want. And I'll talk about this more next week, okay? Because if he does, what's going to happen to the high priest, the, the most important of the religious figures? He's going to die. He can't just treat my presence any way he wants. He can't do that. His sons tried to do that, and they died. Aaron, you can't do that. You cannot come beyond the holy veil. And I'll show this next week where the Ark of the Covenant is. You can't come there anytime he wants. For the Ark's cover, the place of atonement, is there. 
That's why it's called the Day of Atonement, because this is that one day out of the year when Aaron gets to come before the presence of God, present the blood on top of the Ark of the Covenant, that place of atonement. It's there, and I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. Aaron must take from the community of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Uh, Karina, let's give him that, uh, that uh, real quick, that first image, if we can, just quick, of the, um, of the priest with the two goats that are being presented. I just want people to kind of get a, a visual of what this looks like. So here we've got the high priest Aaron and, and the two goats that are going to be offered up. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. Okay, continue on with me. Verse 7. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle like you just saw in that image. He is to cast lots, sacred lots, to determine which goat will be reserved, check this out now, as an offering to the Lord, and which goat will be Azazel, not the Denzel Washington movie, okay? Which goat will be the scapegoat, okay, known as Azazel, and that goat will carry the sins of the people. Aaron will bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord, and he'll sacrifice it for a sin offering. So that goat is going to die, but... The goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat will be presented alive before the Lord to be used to make atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Real quick, anybody ever been the scapegoat before? Come on, husbands. Come on, husbands. Come on. Come on. And it's usually our fault anyway, but come on. Right? We, 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 can, we can pity party ourselves. And I'm always the scapegoat around here. Stupid. <laughs> The scapegoat, we, we, we've, all, we've all done that. I, I, I had five other siblings. I, granted, I was much older than three of them, but, but I, I knew what it was like to be like, it wasn't my fault, it wasn't me, right? it wasn't me. The, the scapegoat, verse 20 says this. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he will bring forward the live goat. This is what I want to focus on today. He's to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all of their sins, he's going to put it on the head. He's going to cover the goat with the sins and rebellion of the people. And then he shall send that goat away into the desert by, a hand, by the hand of a fit man. Okay? So when I first mentioned uh, the word goat, honestly, how many of your minds went to, that, to this video? Give me that video real quick. How, how many of your minds just go here when you, when you, when you right? How many people think of that? Right away, your mind goes there, okay? For, for those of us who grew up in, in Chicagoland area in, in the 90s, when we think of goat, where, where does your mind go? Give me two, Karina. This is where my mind goes. Come on. You know where my mind goes. Come on. Come on. If you didn't see him play, I can see why you're a LeBron fan. I get it. I understand, okay? And I see why you debate that. But if you got to see it live, okay, you already know. There's just no debating who the goat is. I'm not saying he was a good person. Hello? Okay? I'm saying when he came on the basketball court, he will forever be the goat. So our minds go different places when we hear the term goat, but, but according to Leviticus 16, God has an entire system in which he's going to take away the sins of the people. Not just forgive it, but take it away. And it involves these goats. So on the Day of Atonement, here we go, we have three things that the high priest had to choose. Number one, we got the Lord's goat. I got the Lord's goat. It's that goat that is offered as a sacrifice for sin. There you go, the Lord's goat. This is the one that... that it has to die. Why? Because sin cannot be forgiven without the shedding of blood. That's how it works, okay? Something has to die. So the Lord's goat has to die as the offering for sin committed by the people every year. Every year, a goat has to die. Then you've got the scapegoat. You've got the scapegoat. 
This goat is offered up as separation. One is offered for the forgiveness. The other one is offered as the separation from their sin. We might call it the, the escape goat, right? The, the, I, I, there's a way out here. So on these days leading up to the Day of Atonement, each family would come before the priest. And Karina, let's give them that next image there. Where they, they would come before the priest, and there they go. They, they would begin to confess out loud, okay? Uh, for, for the Catholics in the room, you, know, you understand confession probably better than anybody. Confessing out loud to the priest in terms of what you've done wrong. Well, you didn't, you didn't get to hide you know, away in the confessional with the priest. You had to do it out loud in front of your entire family. So can you imagine this confessional service? Come on, somebody. Come on, husband looking at wife like, you did what? Come on. W- wives looking at husbands like, I'm about to take this ring off, boy. Yeah. Come on, can you imagine children looking at their parents just like, I don't even know you. And I can imagine parents just be like, just wait till we get home. I can just imagine this confessional service going on and everyone's hearing all the sins of the entire family members and then the high priest and he takes those sins and he transfers them from the people's mouths to the head of that goat. Everything they've, they've done wrong has been transferred and now covered onto that goat. So the first goat we see has to, has to die as a sacrifice for sin. But the second goat has to live to provide separation from that sin. It is our God who requires both the death of a sacrificer and the life of a liberator. So sin can be completely taken away. So here's the last thing I want to say about this because it's really interesting to me. Karina, give them back verse 21 real quick. It's interesting to me because at the conclusion of verse 21, it says something that really can just be so easily overlooked, except for you've got me as your pastor. And a few years ago, I preached an entire series on this called CrossFit. But, but look what happens. It, this scapegoat is to be led out into the wilderness by the hand of a, what kind of man? Ooh, a fit man. A, a Michael Velasquez kind of man. Okay. Uh, a, 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 a Paul Dominguez kind of man. Okay, yeah. Okay, me and Rev Devin about three months kind of man. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, right. Uh, we'll be there. Uh, a, a fit man. Has to, has to lead this goat into the wilderness. So the, the high priest has to find the, the goat for the sacrifice, the goat as the scapegoat, but he's also got to find not just any man. Not just any man. Hear me, ladies. Not just any man. Yeah? Got to find a, a, a fit man. Why? Because the weightiness of, of, of this task, it was so crucial his, his success or his failure, really here's what it meant. Life or death. Blessings or curses. Peace with God or punishment from God. We need a, a fit man, somebody who can handle it, somebody who can survive the task ahead. Why? Because it's going to be lonely. It's going to be, it's going to be a land of thirst and hunger and fatigue. And here's what we see about it. The Bible tells us that he is completely nameless in Scripture. What is it? Why don't we get his name? Here's why. Because he's not going to get any recognition. He's not going to get any rewards. He's not going to get any kind of fame. But he will be fit. Fit just simply means this. It means he's suited for the task. It means that he's capable of surviving the harsh elements and environment. It means that he's ready and willing to sacrifice if he has to. So the fit man we see takes the scapegoat and carries the people's sins far away. I feel like a, like a Shrek movie, far, far away. 
Why? Why? Why so far away? So that the sins of the people wouldn't find its way back. I mean, could you imagine the ultimate mishap being that the scapegoat that carried my sin away wasn't far enough away? And somehow it just made its way back home. Here I am. Here, here I am. Here, here I am. Woo. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Y'all remember the meme from back in the day? Y'all remember that? Yeah, okay, you remember that. I, why, how did you make your way back? Here's why it's such, it's such a, a tragedy. If the goat makes its way back, it means that the blood of the atonement was wasted. It means that a curse is now brought on all the people. So we need a, a fit man. We, we need a fit man. Yes, it's going to be lonesome. Yes, it's going to be wearisome. Yes, it's going to be burdensome. Yes, it will be unrewarding. But God is saying, that's the kind of person that I need. And I believe in 2022, God is still looking for some fit folks, if you will. Let me just say it like this, because all I really know is America. America needs some fit folks, ladies and gentlemen. We need some fit fathers and fit mothers. We need some fit preachers we need some fit disciples we need some fit leaders we need not just fit men we need some fit women when i can't find a man i'll find a fit deborah to do the job we need it in this nation we need fit christians who are willing to, to walk through the wilderness if god says so Whew. we need some fit people that say i'm going to live for god even when other people around me won't we need, we need some fit christians that say i will deny myself take up my cross and follow jesus you have to decide. You have to decide. Do you have to be famous or are you going to be fit? You have to decide. Are, do, 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 are you going to be fabulous? Are you going to be fit? Why can't I be both, Pastor? I'm not saying you can't. I'm simply saying I'm telling you what God is looking for. He's not looking for people that are all making it about themselves and what about me and my anointing and my calling and my ministry and my purpose. Looking for people to say, God, your will be done. I mean, we sang it for 20 minutes. Your way is better. You have to decide, is it all about fortune? Or is it about being fit? Because when you're, when you're fit, you can be in a hostile environment, and it won't change you one bit. Come on. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I could be eating donuts around Michael. It ain't going to make a difference. It doesn't change him. Come on, somebody. I'll be stuffing my face, pigging out, but Michael's still fit. I'm trying to tell you, you can be about people acting crazy, getting high, gossiping, playing church, but it won't affect you because you've made the choice. I'm fit. I'm fit. And here's, the, I guess, the most important thing. Unfit, or the fit folk in this place undoubtedly don't ever want that goat to come back around. Why? Because if it comes back around... It's coming for my children, and it's coming for my integrity. If that code comes back around, it's coming for my anointing. It's coming for my purity. It's coming for my purpose. So I've got to raise up in the morning and say, hey, I can't have this thing back. Somebody prophesied to the future and say, what touched me will not touch my children. What bound me will not bind my children. Go stay away from my family. Really, ultimately, the, the truth and, and even the tragedy of, of the old covenant is just simply this. There was never a man fit enough to keep that goat away forever. Every year, the high priests and, and the priests and the people would have to come again and again and again on Yom Kippur 
the day of atonement. They'd have to come back again and sacrifice one goat. Put the hands of the high priest and the, transfer the sins of the people onto that second scapegoat. Had to find the fit man again and again and again. Same routine over and over and over. Here's what it means. It means that they could never completely remove the transgressions and the sins of humanity. The writer of Hebrews said like this in Hebrews 10, it is impossible. Someone say impossible. That's why we had to do it again and again and again. Because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. But I got good news today. Because I'm a good news preacher. The good news is that was the old covenant. We've been given something better. When you look at, at, at what the Jewish people have, have done in recognition of, of 5,000 plus years of, of, of history, what you see is, is this year after year, decade after decade, century after century, we've got to find the goats and we've got to find a fit man. And, and God finally, I believe he got to that point where he's just like, look, the priest can't fix this. The blood of goats can't fix this sin problem. The law can't, can't fix this sin problem. I need a better man. I, I need something better. Let me look at the angels. Can I, find, can I find an angel? Nope, the angels aren't worthy. Nope, can't. How about Abraham? Nope, Abraham's a liar. How about Moses? Nope, he's a murderer. How about Samson? I preached about him all month. Nope, he's too self-absorbed and caught up in foreign women. Okay, that ain't gonna work. Okay. How about David? Nope, David was an adulterer and a murderer. I guess that's not gonna work. How about the law? No, it's perfect, but it's powerless to save. And God is saying, can I find a fit man? Can I send a, I need a fit man. Is there anyone I can send? And somebody knows who I'm preaching about. If I, if I was an impact kids right now, I'd be like, guess who I'm talking about? It's one of just a couple options. I says it like this in Romans 8. The law of Moses was powerless to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. It could forgive, but it couldn't remove ultimately. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared, check this out, an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our since, ladies and gentlemen, this is why Jesus is better. What took two goats in the old covenant only took one lamb in the new covenant. John said it like this. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Just shake your neighbor real quick and just tell him Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the lamb. But shake him a little bit harder and just let him know. But, but he's also the goats. Come on. He's also to go. Which one? Which goat is he, Pastor? Both. He's both of them. He's the Lord's goat because he dies as the sacrifice for our sins. He's the sacrificer so I can be forgiven. But he's also the scapegoat because three days later, after his death, he comes back from the dead and he liberates me. He's the liberator of my sin. 
to the new Christians in the room, if this is still all new to you, and you're just like, wow, there's, there's a lot of wildness happening and, and loudness happening. Here's what I want you to know as new Christians, okay? I am so glad that you asked Jesus to forgive your sins. And praise God, your sins are forgiven. But just in case you didn't know, he didn't just die for your sin. He rose again so you could be free from it altogether. It isn't just forgiveness I need. It's freedom that I need. Come on, somebody, and declare it today. It's freedom I found in Jesus. You can be free from the addiction. You can be free from the depression. You can be free from that bad attitude. You can be free from the shame. Free from the torment. Free from suicide. Free from fear. Because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I dare you to put your hands together and let God know I'm grateful not just for forgiveness but for freedom for my sin. I feel like an infomotion. But wait, there's more. King David caught some insight and I believe some foresight supernaturally when he said this in Psalms 103 verse 12. He said, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Okay. Uh, Rev Dev, throw your hand up, my guy. Throw your hand up. Rev Dev, way back there. Right there. If God only removed my, my, my sin from here to there, I couldn't measure how far that is. But David caught some insight. It's what God was doing. He said, as far as the east is from the... I don't even know how to measure that. But that's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. And the prophet Jeremiah saw into the future when he prophesied this. There's coming a day when our sins will be completely removed and it's not coming back. Jeremiah 50, 20. In those days, at that time, declares the Lord, a search will be made for Israel's guilt. woo But there will be none found and for Judah's sin but they won't find anything at all for I will forgive the remnant that I preserve what am I saying the prophets of old are letting me know Jesus is both goats and he's also the fit man Woo! goat number one because Jesus alone was blameless and sinless so Jesus alone is fit to be my sacrifice for my sins. But he's a second goat also, because not only does he forgive my sin, but he liberates me from the bondage of sin. Come on, we're, we're just anybody who's not just been forgiven but set free from the things in your past, can you just throw up your hands and say, thank you, Lord. I'm a living, breathing testimony that drugs don't keep you bound for long, that addiction doesn't keep you bound for long, that alcohol doesn't have to be your God, that gangbanging and, and sleeping around and, and doing those things that you know are sin. I'm free from those things now. He's the second goat because he liberates me from the bondage of sin. But he's also that fit man. Because we need somebody fit enough to, to take my sin so far away that it can never find its way back to where I am. He becomes the fit man. We, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I want to say, and I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up right here. Here's what I want you to know. If you really want your life to change, it doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out because I realize I will never be fit enough 
I, I, I will never be good enough. I, I'm a good person, but my good works are not enough to get me into heaven. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. We can be good people, but we're never going to be good enough. It's not about me being good enough. It's about recognizing that Jesus, the God-man, was more than enough to pay the price, not only for my sin, not only to liberate me from sin, but to remove it so far away, it can't ever come back and touch me or my family ever ever only Jesus is the one who's fit enough to, to help me ultimately then say I'm not going to do that anymore come on somebody I can't put this on your willpower come on don't, don't you dare try to say I've, I've, I've got enough willpower to make this thing stop just wait till Saturday night roll around eh, here we go whoops well, I need to get back to church and get the fit man to help me to say no. Help me, get the fit man to help me say yes to the will of God. Because I'm not fit enough. I'm not good enough. But here's ultimately what he does for me. Check this out. 2 Timothy 2.21 and I'm done here. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he becomes a vessel of honor. Family, you may feel completely unworthy, unwanted, you may feel like the, the sins in your life, even, even if you've been living for Jesus for a little while, you feel like, I'm just, look at me, I'm dishonorable. The choices and decisions I make, they dishonor God. They don't reflect his love and grace. Man, forgive me, Lord. But the Bible tells me this. If I will allow Jesus to begin to cleanse me from what's dishonorable, I will become a vessel of honor. I did nothing but just let Jesus' blood cleanse me and change me. And guess what, I, guess what happens? I become sanctified. Salvation is where I say, Lord, forgive me my sins. But sanctified is a process which the Holy Spirit begins to help me remove that sin from my life and never go back. And what happens after I'm cleaned and sanctified? I didn't do this. The fit man makes me fit for the master's use and prepared for every good work. Help me now, right now, just for a, a, a quick moment, just help me right now. If he's ever washed you, cleansed you, sanctified you, can you with me just lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, because I couldn't do this myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not holy enough. Ladies and gentlemen, you can be raised in church like I was and still realize I'm the least of these because I, I did nothing to earn this, but the fit man has cleansed me. And right now the fit man is, he's sanctifying me. He's making me more like him and less like myself. And I believe ultimately what he's doing is he's preparing me. He's making me fit to do his work. He's making me fit to do his will. He's making me fit so that God the Father, when he looks for a vessel of honor, he doesn't have to look very far. Here I am, Daddy. Use me for your glory. Here I am, God. Get the glory from my life. Because I didn't clean it up. I didn't sanctify it. But I chose to give it over to you. And now you've chosen to make over my life and make me fit for your use. So I lift my hands and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here's what I believe today, ladies and gentlemen.
Jesus is the fit man. If he was fit enough to kick Satan's butt while he's dying on a cross, how much more with his resurrection is he going to help you to overcome all the power, all the temptation, every sinful desire in your life? Stand your feet with me today all over this room. If you've got a, one of your children next to you and you, they've got that little note card, maybe without exposing too much, go ahead and help them write on that card the sins that they need to forgive, the people they need to forgive. If you feel bold enough, mom or dad, or grandma, grandpa, or auntie, uncle, guardian, wherever you are, I dare you to write something on there. Don't let them see it, but write it on there. Go ahead, write it on there. I dare you to go ahead. Come here, Zai. My, my, my living, breathing object lesson. Zai helped me make this last night. Here's what I'm gonna have the kids do. Stand out here, Zai. Stand out here in front of me. Look at, my, look at my guy's handiwork. He's like, where's the other goat? That one's dead. <laughs> for the forgiveness of sin. This one is for the removal. The scapegoat. Kids, as you're writing down those things, people you need to forgive, things you need to ask God to, for forgiveness of, I'm going to have you come down here, I'm going to have you tape it on this goat, and we're going to take it so far away. By faith, we believe it's going to never come back. It's just a poster board, but it's a symbol of what Jesus Christ has done with his resurrection. He's removed my sin. Zion's going to be my fit man today, all right? You stand right down there, my guy. Stand right down there. To everyone else in the room, if you did not get it, stand on there. If you, if you didn't get a communion cup, I want to make sure everyone gets one of these. If you need one, you'd like to take communion with us today, please raise your hand. We want to make sure you get that. If you did not already get one, keep your hand up. We have a couple of people here that did not receive a communion cup. We want to make sure they get that. Keep your hand up. We'll make sure we get one to you. There we go. Go ahead and peel back that first layer. This is not on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to go old school here. I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 22. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It's that day where ultimately the Jewish people, there you go, kids, look at that. I love this. They're recognizing the need to forgive, the need to be forgiven, the day of atonement. Now, here's what Jesus does on the night he's, he's about to be betrayed. Everyone just say he's about to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be betrayed. Woo. If you know betrayal is coming, what are you going to do? You know, right? Just let it happen. He lets it play out because he knows that this betrayal is going to bring about a greater good for all humanity. Betrayal doesn't always feel that way, ladies and gentlemen. It really doesn't. But if you'll give it to God, watch what God can do with even the betrayal in your life. Watch what God will do. The Bible tells us this. The Lord institutes something brand new. Passover, that night with the Israelite people still captives to the Egyptian slave owners. That night on Passover, they kill a lamb. They take its blood and they smear it on their doorposts. And what ends up happening is that night throughout the land of Egypt, an angel of death passes over every home. And if there's no blood applied to the doorpost, the Bible tells us that the firstborn 
of every living thing dies. But if the angel of death sees the blood, it has to pass over. So what Jesus is doing at the last Passover meal is he institutes the very first communion. The very first communion, here's what happens. It says, when the hour has come, Luke 22, 14, Jesus sat down and with the 12 apostles with him, he said to them, with great desire, fervent desire, have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer? For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, divide this among yourself. For, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Okay. We have the cup, the wine, that symbolizes his blood. We have the, the wafer here, this tasteless, nasty wafer. You're going to need a mint afterwards. But the bitterness of it symbolizes his broken body, the bitterness he went through so that we could be whole. But I want you to notice real quick what's not there. I see, I see the cup, Rev. I see the body, the bread. Where's the lamb? The lamb's not on the table. The lamb's sitting at the table letting them know I am the ultimate sacrifice for the redemption of your sin likewise he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you behold the hand of my betrayer is with me at this table and truly the son of man goes as it has been determined but woe to that man to whom he will be betrayed I recognize this I don't want to take this unworthily what I mean is I don't want to betray Christ with my choices after I've taken this. So here's what I need to do, and I need, to, I need you to do this as well, because I don't need you to eat or drink sickness on yourself. This is supposed to bring healing and wholeness. Before we take this, let's confess our sins, not to a priest or a pastor, but to the only one who can not only forgive us, but liberate us all over this room. You don't have to stick it on a goat, but let's give it to the goat, Jesus. Father, I ask you now, in the name of Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me of my attitude. Cleanse me of my apathy. Cleanse me of my bitterness and my anger. Cleanse me of the bad attitude, of my bad temperament. Cleanse me of wrong thinking, of wrong speech, of wrong actions. Forgive me completely, Lord. And I believe the blood of Jesus is more than enough to cover over every one of my sins. But it's also powerful enough to keep me free and liberated so that I can never come back and torment my life anymore. As I take this body and as I drink the blood, I recognize the price has been paid in full. And on the day of atonement, Jesus becomes my atonement. I take this bread, this wafer, and I remember the stripes upon your back, the beating you took physically, the crown of thorns jammed into your skull, how your beard was plucked from your face as they punched you repeatedly over and over, how every possible pore in your body bled out for my sin. I remember this broken body 
so that today I can stand here healed and whole, mind, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name. If you're ready, let's take it as an act of worship and praise God for the broken body of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Eat all of it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When supper was done, he took the cup. This here becomes a symbol of what this couldn't do. This is the old covenant. It can take it away for 12 months. <laughs> but 12 months later, we got to do this all over again. That's the old covenant. My guy, go and take that away. Take it far, far, far away. Just keep walking, Zai. Just keep going. Just keep going until you can't hear my voice ever again. No, I'm just kidding. Come back eventually. The old covenant could remove it for a year. The new covenant covers over it completely once and for all. Ooh, what is about blood stains? You can hardly get out. Ooh, apply that blood to my sin so I can't get that blood out. So it just can't come back. He said, this is the blood of a new covenant. Ladies and gentlemen, when you keep this in mind, a new covenant, a new and living way, communion will no longer be common. Instead, it will be a moment of both remembrance and full-blown worship when you recognize my sins are not just forgiven. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. What the law was powerless to do, the blood of Jesus was so powerful. It's still, come on, it will never lose its power. It's still working right now. It's still transforming right now. All over this planet, people are still being saved right now because of the blood of the new covenants. So when we drink this, let's do so with an act of worship. In fact, I'm going to let you do it when you're ready. After you've lifted your hands and after you've lifted your hearts, after you know, after you know I've confessed and now I allow the blood to cover everything I've confessed. This is the greatest cover-up in history, ladies and gentlemen, knowing I'm completely covered by the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We worship you now, Father, for the blood of your Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God. My sins are covered and completely taken away. When you're ready, drink this and then worship God. Worship God for what he's done through Jesus Christ, your Lord.